Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, as the sun rose over Kinston, North Carolina, on July 13th of 2011, Laura Ackerson woke up excited. For once, things were going her way. She's a 27-year-old mother of two little boys, little grand and gentle. She carried custody of them with this man, Grant Hayes. You'll hear that that morning, Laura got her things and, and started to walk out the door and walk past uh, her refrigerator covered with pictures of her little boys. Little did she know that those little boys had only known their mother for three years. Little did she know that as she walked out that door, that within 24 hours, she would take her last breath. Little did she know that that man, the father of her children, would be the one responsible for her murder and disappearance. Good evening, or morning, noon, night, whatever, wherever you're at. I don't know. Seems like evening, midday here. We are back. Eye for an eye, your favorites. We got a rip snorting good one for you today, Jules. You want to tell them about? You said that last time too. Well, not last time on the Menendez. That's how you started the second one. I just finished editing it. Well. They are of the same characterization then, aren't they? Let's give them all the due that they're deserving. With that lovely intro, this case is not as well known as the Menendez brothers, but it's certainly as crazy and kind of involves some inner family crime, I guess you could say. I'm going to jump right in. Today, we're going to talk about Laura Ackerson, and she was a 27-year-old woman who lived in Kinston, North Carolina. She had a successful career and was described by loved ones as bubbly and outgoing. Laura had two children from a previous relationship with Grant Hayes. The two were never married, but they had children together. And because they were never married, I think that complicated their ultimate battle for custody. They had a very intense battle. Both Laura and Grant were claiming that the other parent was unfit which is just really messy, especially for the kids involved because they were very young. As a temporary kind of setup, Laura was only able to see her children on the weekends. So she was very surprised to get an email from Grant on Tuesday, July 12th, 2011, asking if Laura wanted to make a midweek trip to visit and see the boys. The next day on July 13th, Laura drove to Grant's apartment in Raleigh, North Carolina to see her sons. That was a Wednesday, and she was supposed to go back and pick them up for her normal weekend visitation, but she never came. July 13th will be the last day she was heard from. After Laura went to see Grant and her sons on Wednesday, July 13th, no one had seen or heard from her in the following days. She was officially reported missing on July 18th. Something important to note here is that Laura had a work call set up with one of her coworkers at 9 p.m. on the night of the 13th. We have had this discussion many times. 9 p.m. is really late to be conducting business, in my opinion. Matt may think otherwise. I just like to be a nine to five type girl. But Laura was really hustling. As I said, she had a successful career. She owned a few businesses. And especially having two young children, it wasn't necessarily strange that she was having this business call so late in the evening. What was strange was that the coworker, Siobhan Mathis, 
called Laura at their setup time and never heard back. Something else important to note was that Siobhan knew about Laura's midweek trip to see her sons. So Siobhan informs the police about this when they're trying to piece together Laura's whereabouts from that day. It doesn't take police long to circle in on Grant. Even if they weren't suspicious of him at that point in time, he was one of the last people to know anything about Laura. On July 20th, they go to Grant's apartment and start just talking to him. Whether or not they were suspicious at that original point, he was the last known whereabout for Laura was his apartment. When they arrive, the apartment smells strongly of bleach, and there were several bleach patches on the floor. In my mind, I'm picturing bleach stains on the carpet or something along those lines. Also, Grant's shower curtain, vacuum, and several rugs were removed and or missing from the apartment. They don't know exactly what happened there. Police find more craziness and there's lyrics to a song entitled man killer and they were printed out and just you know out and about in the apartment the lyrics describe making a woman bleed and they also talk about strangulation it's not really looking that great for grant the police also find a note that was allegedly written by laura stating that she agreed to give up custody of her sons in exchange for twenty five thousand dollars Luckily, police aren't buying into this note as Laura had been fighting so hard for custody of her sons, you know, even for a lump sum of money that wasn't enough for her. The relationship with her children was what she really valued. Police start to dig further into Grant with all these red flags kind of popping up and Grant's new wife, Amanda, and they start to ask more about their whereabouts in the days after the disappearance and wow, these two. It doesn't take long for the police to realize that Grant is an idiot. Those are my words, not official police reporting. And you'll find out why I think that Grant is a big old idiot. In the early hours of July 14th, remembered Laura's visit with her sons supposedly was the 13th. Grant had some shopping to do. He went to a local Walmart and to Target. He bought goggles, trash bags, a reciprocating saw, which I included a picture of in my Google slide. It kind of looks like it pokes and slides back and forth. I don't know anything about saws, so I have to look that one up. But a reciprocating saw, blades, plastic sheeting, tarp, gloves, bleach tape, and a lint roller. While Grant was busy shopping, Amanda called her daughter from a previous relationship and asked her to watch the boys. Grant had to do more shopping. On July 16th, he purchased ice, coolers, and rented a U-Haul trailer. On July 18th, Grant, Amanda, and the children take the U-Haul from Raleigh and arrive in Texas where they visit with Amanda's sister, Karen. Once in Texas, Grant has some more shopping to do, and he goes out to Home Depot to buy more gloves and bottles of acid. To wrap back for a moment, why I said that Grant was an idiot is because he's caught on various cameras in parking lots, entering and exiting stores, clearly buying all these very incriminating products. You know, not trying to hide anything, not trying to shop outside of their local circle, just, you know, carrying on about his business. On the night of July 19th, Grant and Amanda ask. Amanda's sister, Karen, if they can borrow her boat. 
Karen lives near a local fishing creek in an area called Richmond, Texas. On July 24th, Laura's remains were found in that same creek. Her body had been dismembered and scattered in the water. Investigators stated that it looked like a boat was used to dump the body parts into the creek. The remains were in terrible condition and the exact cause of death could not be determined and was ruled as undetermined homicide violence. The findings were consistent with a type of asphyxia or blunt force trauma to the neck. Authorities say that the couple first attempted to use muriatic acid to destroy Lara's body. When that didn't work, they took a boat onto Oyster Creek and dumped Lara's body parts into the water with hopes that alligators would eat her remains. On July 25th, 2011, Gray and Amanda were charged with first-degree murder. I'm going to jump back up for a moment because Laura's visit was July 13th. By July 25th, a couple weeks, two weeks or so later, I don't, I'm not doing math, these two were charged. There's not a lot really to this case because it was so incriminating, so cut and dry. There was really no other way for the investigation to go. It was very obvious Grant and Amanda were involved with this, but the sentencing we'll talk about. As I said, on July 25th, Grant and Amanda were both charged with first-degree murder. The couple was tried separately. Great was tried in 2013 and pleaded not guilty. In my opinion, it's kind of an idiot move to me, especially considering the fact that Pablo Trinidad, who was a former inmate of Grant's, testified that Grant had told him that he and his wife had strangled Lara. Maybe it would have been better to plead guilty and have a lesser sentence. I don't know, but, you know, that's just kind of Grant doing his thing. He was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Amanda's trial, which I thought was the more interesting of the two, took place in 2014. Amanda testified that she did not kill Laura and only helped dispose of her body because her husband threatened to kill her. Amanda's defense claimed that she didn't even know Grant had murdered Laura, and he told her they were renting the U-Haul to move a piece of furniture. However, Karen, Amanda's sister, testified that Amanda admitted to killing Laura during an argument. Even her own sister kind of threw her under the bus with that. The jury only deliberated in Amanda's conviction for 90 minutes before producing a guilty verdict. Amanda was sentenced, this is interesting, to 13 to 16 years for second-degree murder. However, in a more recent development, Texas added 20 years to Amanda's sentence for tampering with evidence. So the 13 to 16 years for second-degree murder, that was in North Carolina because that's where they believe Laura was killed. That's where phase one, quote-unquote, took place. But Texas, since that's where they dumped the body, added 20 years, which is more than Amanda was originally sentenced to. The lead prosecutor was quoted as saying, Laura's family can be assured that Amanda Hayes will be punished for all of her barbaric behavior, whether it is in North Carolina or the great state of Texas. And then a little side note I wanted to include was that in 2014, Amanda filed for a divorce from Grant, which is probably the best decision she made throughout this whole process. But yeah, what do you guys think of 
this case. Like I said, there's not much to it because once investigators zeroed in on Grant, he made this case unarguable, in my opinion. What do you think, Lise? I don't remember who covered it, but I do remember this case because I remember they threw her in the river and then it was this whole she got eaten by alligators thing, even though they chopped her up and put her in the ice buckets to boat her out. It's a very interesting case and it's very sad. But Matt, what are your thoughts? I always come back to the fact that anytime there's a family involved with children, really have to look at it from the angle of like, where does the humanity come in? Especially for a father, right? Like, cut, cut all the bullshit out, right? Where do you take it back to the point where like, what, what, what was the next step after killing them? Wait, so sorry to cut you off. I think I followed it via Nancy Grace because she always does the breaking news stuff when it's happening. And I'm looking at the transcript of the episode from her covering it. And she said, according to Amanda, he drove them both to Texas with a machete in his hand and told her that if she didn't say that she did it, that she would be gone too. So they said that they tried to pin it on her because he threatened her when they did just chop up someone's wife. I remember in the coverage from Nancy Grace, the girlfriend claimed that, again, that she originally said she wasn't there and then she said she was there but in the kitchen while they were arguing and then he hit her she fell off of a chair or something i think she probably felt scared as shit honestly you know she's next type thing she an accomplice or is she scared? right so that's what i thought was interesting because lisa exactly what you're saying amanda's defense claimed that she didn't even know great hammered laura and was just like oh we're taking you all to move a piece of furniture but then her own sister said that amanda admitted to killing laura I don't know. It's hard to think that anyone has it in them to kill anyone, I guess. I don't know if that's a dumb statement, but I just feel that she is more involved than she wants to admit. I read five different articles and sources for this and did not find anything about the actual death, Lisa, in terms of the candle, like you were saying. And it was mostly focused on those later charges from Texas, the extra 20 years, which I do think is really interesting. And you can say a lot about Texas, but I do think that their statement saying whether it's in North Carolina or the great state of Texas, Amanda will be punished for her barbaric behavior. Because back to Matt's point, what is your next step? Okay, so let's say you kill your son's mother because of this custody battle that you're in. And now they grow up without a mother. Is that what you'd rather have? And dude, you're not winning that custody case now. You're the primary suspect in her murder. That that never crossed Right. And I guess they just thought they'd get away with it. Maybe they didn't realize that Laura had that work call, which really, in my opinion, helped them get to Grant so quickly because Siobhan knew that Laura was going to see the kids at Grant's apartment. Because, I mean, we know women can be absolutely insane and be like, the head haunches of these, especially when it has to do with killing someone's ex or killing the other woman type of deal. I don't know. It's really creepy to think that, like Matt said, that what is the why? Especially when people have kids. I mean, I never understand when this happens, obviously, but when you have kids, how could you look at your kid's mother and wipe them off of this planet? I just, I will never understand that. I don't understand the way you can sleep at night knowing that you've done that 
Right. Because obviously there was something in the relationship that went south, but from all reports, Laura was a great person. So even if your relationship goes south, that you're taking her away from your children. That's, I guess, like the tough, t- tough one here. I don't know. This was, like I said, a very interesting case and I want more, but I couldn't find more. I don't know where I need to be looking. And I didn't look to see if any other podcasts had covered this. I don't like to do that before I research. So I should maybe do that now. But yeah, other thoughts you guys have? What do you guys think about the sentencing? I think it's kind of bullshit that Amanda got more time for tampering with evidence than she did for being involved in whatever way, shape, or form with Laura's murder. You know why I think that is, though, Jules? I was actually going to make a point of that. That's the evidence they had that they knew they could convict her on. So that was the hardest thing that they pressed, I'm sure, when it came to the jury. Probably just saying, look, we know she tampered with evidence. Don't know everything that her involvement, whether it be illicit or kidnapping or, you know, Stockholm syndrome, whatever it might be. But we know here's complicit, here's evidence of her guilt because she did this, tampered with evidence. That's that's how we can tie her to I'm glad that it happened. I just think that her original charge of 13 to 16 years. Yeah. And so if they're not able to prove her involvement, then she gets second degree murder. She wouldn't get like an accessory or something. Or is that basically the same thing? I mean, it really just boils down to whatever she was sentenced for. The crime she was sentenced for has a statute. So those have to fit into a certain category, whatever. Say it's. A1 felony, it's 25 to life. Say it's tampering with evidence, it's two to four years, something like that. And they probably rolled them together concurrently. So they probably found her guilt this and then lumped it in with another charge. That's why her sentence was so high. What was her total sentence again? It was like 16 years? 13 to 16 for the second degree murder. And then Texas added on 20 years for tampering with evidence. Do we think that's a fair sentence for second years? Yeah, I think 16 years is fair for that portion. What I don't think is fair. For second degree murder? I mean, second degree murder is essentially saying it's like involuntary manslaughter, except get it. It's like it's like manslaughter, basically. It's not involuntary manslaughter at all. I'm sorry. Involuntary is not the right word. That word came out wrong. It's like manslaughter, but it's manslaughter. That's not actually manslaughter. Isn't. Second degree murder, a crime of passion. Yeah, it, it means you didn't plan it. You did, but you had like malice of forethought. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry. Malice of forethought is the phrase I was looking for. So if you had an intention to go there to do harm or say you brought a gun, you know, I didn't intend to use it, but I brought the gun and then they attacked me. So I shot them. I think what I don't understand necessarily about this case is how do they have nothing nothing concrete that they'd be able to super tie her to this murder like when do you think they were emailing each other text messaging each other some calling each other on the phone probably not if they lived together and it was grant that was out there doing all the bullshit shopping it was grant that rented the u-haul and bought the ice and the coolers so i feel like I don't know what evidence they really had and and i have another question if you're charged with accessory to murder is that a whole separate chart i don't know what that means that's its own charge matt and it has its own 
Let's see. Correct. Yes. Okay. Because I feel like that's more likely what we can prove is that she was involved. I don't know if I think Amanda's sentence is fair because I don't think we can accurately pinpoint how involved she was. But I think for her sister <laughs> to throw her under the bus and say, yeah, Amanda told me that she killed Lara. You know, her own sister. So I feel like Grant, going back, we didn't discuss Grant's sentence because I feel like it's fair he's sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. He's a monster. My only thought is where are the children because their father is a monster and their mother is unfortunately dead. I'm reading an article from People regarding the case. And I don't know if she had the second child because they took the body part somewhere else. But it says Amanda Hayes was sentenced to 20 years in prison, which was the maximum allowable. But she was ordered to serve the sentence consecutive to the 13 to 16 year sentence she received in North Carolina. So not concurrent, it's consecutive. Second, yeah, doesn't that mean concurrent? Nah, concurrent means you lump them together. Consecutive means you stack. Or you're serving them at the same right. time versus consecutive is one after the other. She got fucked, honestly. She got fucked. She's serving both those sentences. Well, no, it would be more fucked if it was consecutive. I thought you said it is consecutive. Six years in. I'm so confused. That's why I think it's unfair because it's honestly she got fucked doubly. She was in 20 years in prison, the maximum allowable. She was ordered to serve the sentence consecutive to the 13 to 16 year sentence. So consecutive does mean what I was thinking it meant. What what the fuck did I say before that made us talk about the other word? Originally, you were saying, does that mean she has to serve both? And I said, if it's consecutive or concurrent, the difference between second degree murder is malice of forethought. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Okay, so consecutive. That means she has to serve 36 years in prison. Bang, bang. As opposed to they're all one stretch. She's doing one, then the other. So she finishes 20 years and goes into the next 16. Well, good. She got fucked. I actually kind of like this sentence. Because regardless if she helped or knew or whatever the hell, it doesn't seem like she really proved that he was like... I mean, obviously, we know he is likely the one who committed the actual murder. He is the one, like Joel said, was buying all the supplies, had the plans, it sounded like. So who's to say if she was really afraid of him or not, or if that's just, again, her trying to save her ass and with all the blame on him, since there's more evidence pointing to him committing the actual murder itself. I don't hate that sentence. I don't hate it. Because if you're vile enough, to help someone chop up someone's head and their arms and their legs, stick them in acid, realize that that's not working, put them in a freezer, drive them on a boat into the middle of the ocean and praying to God that alligators get her body. There are a lot of steps there where I feel like you could have been like, nah, I'm good today. I'm going to, I'm going to head out. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of room in there to find your way out or to tell somebody like, man, we just chopped up this woman's head. 
this guy's making me do this. I feel like I'm being coerced. Something, somewhere. I, I think, honestly, her sister ratting on her is kind of telling. You know, she definitely knew she fucked up and headed, headed to it. Yeah, like, this is an evil bitch. Yeah, like, this bitch is evil, and she knows it, and she's telling people about it. I think it's interesting to note as well that the prosecutors decided not to levy the charges of disposing of the body on Grant's sentence because they thought they already had enough. But haven't we talked about in the past how ridiculous it is? I'm kind of happy that they did this because I I think it's stupid when you give someone a hundred year sentence eight times because it's like, okay, we get it. They're never getting out of jail to say they're never getting out of jail. But in this case, it looks like they didn't do that because they were like, well, he's already got life. Who gives a shit? We got him on this. We don't need to attempt to prove one thing or another. Because, Matt, I am curious if you know the answer. Say you're sentenced for murder and you get life without parole. If they were to prosecute him and just for funsies, take him to court and prosecute him over the disposal of the body and he didn't get any time or they found him not guilty of that part, that doesn't affect his original sentence. He's still getting life without parole, right? He's not going to revert his sentence. Still getting life. So is there a point? Do you guys think that there would be a point to levy that charge against him just for fun? Or do you think, you know, if you get life without parole, let's not give a shit about all the other charges. We already got you. We don't need any more. We don't need to drag the family through this. Crazy enough, I do know the answer to that question. And yes, they will go through the expensive and painful process of a trial in that case. They didn't, though, which is why I'm asking what you guys think. Should they? I I believe that falls under prosecutorial discretion. I believe that falls under their discretion. So prosecutor didn't look good. Does that also impact? I mean, he has life without parole, so I don't know if it matters for him. But in cases where he's going to try to fight it or whatever the case may be, if you had a second charge and you somehow got out of your first charge, that second charge is still there. You'd have to fight them both, wouldn't you? I believe so. I mean, unless there's a jurisdictional issue, that would be my only thoughts. If, say, you're being prosecuted by a federal prosecutor and by a local prosecutor, then one of them might say, hey, drop these charges so we can focus on anything like this. Or they might say, you know, instead of a collaborative effort, we have the evidence. Give us what evidence you have to support these charges. But that's where that comes in, where you hear about issues between different police and law enforcement agencies, prosecutors versus assisting U.S. attorneys or attorneys having jurisdictional issues. You know, is it a federal case? Is it a state case? Who fucked up? You know, is it the police or is it the FBI or is it? You know, a private investigator. To me, it depends on whether it crosses state lines. I know it depends on the scope of the case. But in that case, I think, yeah, it would probably just fall under who's got the, for lack of a better term, who's got the biggest dick in the room. If it's the FBI and U.S. attorneys involved, they're walking away with a case. One, if it's a local jurisdiction, say like I were being prosecuted in Manor versus being prosecuted in Pittsburgh, Allegheny County is at jurisdiction battle resources. I would assume it probably just boils down to that. So are you saying you don't think it would have been necessary if they already got the max that you could get? Yeah, at that point, I'm sure they probably looked at it and said, LWOP, what are we getting more than life without parole? Yeah, there's nowhere else to go with it. 
So yeah, I'm 99% sure that falls under prosecutorial discretion, whether or not they want to move forward. But I have also seen like Charles Manson's a good example. I believe he was brought up on charges more than once for the Manson murders and then for something else, like inciting a riot or something like that while he was in jail. Meanwhile, they're not getting him the fuck out. You know, there's nothing he's going to say or do, at least from prison. But I believe he went back to trial while he was already incarcerated. So actually, that'd be something I'd be curious to look up. What about you, Jules? I mean, Matt spoke a lot. And I'm not going to pretend I understood everything, <laughs> but I think to his point, what more would we have wanted to the sentence? You know, he's serving life in prison, no possibility of parole. That's my song and dance. I always like to say he is not in the general public anymore, which is what we wanted to accomplish here. It just is really sad, you know, when you think about those two little boys and also sad too, as I said throughout, I believe I do very thorough research, but couldn't find a ton about Laura. It was more about those two idiots, Grant and Amanda. And the most recently because Texas added the charges for tampering with evidence after the fact. I think we might have been looking at the same people article, Lisa, but it's like woman tried to feed remains of husband's ex to alligators. It's not about Laura. It's about Amanda and Grant. And that's so frustrating to me. Yeah. I also find it interesting with the article title you just read. It interestingly focuses on Amanda. All of these articles focus on her. For some reason, I haven't found many that start with the fact that Grant Hayes is a monster as well. It's very interesting that they latched onto the fact that Amanda had involvement. But I guess it's because it's kind of rare. That's the only thing I feel about Amanda sentencing that upsets me is I feel like she is getting screwed over more than Grant. And she's not. She could very well get out of jail one day. But in my opinion, it has more sting to it. Maybe she did get wrapped up in the notion of, all right, all we got to do is get rid of Laura and the me, you, my kids, your kids. We can have this wonderful life together. I can see her getting racked up versus Grant is just an asshole who's trying to get rid of his ex-wife so he could have custody of his children. You know, so exactly to your point, we're focusing only on Amanda and this is really dumb, but when, you know, somebody is cheating in a relationship and you get mad at the person that they cheated with, but you're ignoring the fact that your partner is the one that did the cheat. You know, obviously that's not a great analogy, but I've used that analogy many times. People who say, why are you mad at me or at that person? Like your significant other did that or that's Right. You're allowed to be angry with that person, but you can't ignore the source of the anger, which is your, you know, and that's how I feel with this. We're ignoring Grant and focusing on Amanda. I don't know. But yeah, I, this case was really interesting to me. I would love more. So maybe I will look at other podcasts now that, you know, we've done our bit, but I don't like to do that before because it feels wrong. But I didn't know Nancy Grace covered this either. So that's good to know. If there's ever a case that's breaking in the news, it's likely on crime stories. Thanks, Grace. I don't agree with everything that she says, but I do enjoy it because she usually gets experts or lawyers involved or the family members of people. She gets the meat and juice of the cases, especially when they're newer. Can you remember this happening, though, in real time? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't. I'm sorry, Joel. Refresh my memory. What year was this? The murder took place in 2011, but the sentencing and all that was like 13, 14. Shit. 
And every time it comes back into the news, they recover it. I don't remember the case offhand, but I was also pretty drunk for most of those three years. Like, for example, this article was updated in 2018, and I'm not sure if that's when she was sentenced the additional 20 years or not. Dude, that would be fucked. Imagine if she already did five years. She's like, dude, I'm a third of the way there. She's telling her cellmate, I'm almost free, bro. One third yeah. of the way there. And it's like, you pull up, like, nah, we got 20 more for you. Yeah, well, just kidding. Is that the people one, lease? This is from WGAL8. Okay. It's barbaric behavior. Woman convicted of feeding body of husband's ex-girlfriend to alligators. It is also really telling and interesting that her sister was like, her, get her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that seals it for me. I wanted to feel bad for her. Like, maybe she was coerced. And then her sister rats on her. And, Yo, my brother ratted on me. I definitely killed the motherfucker. Just so you guys know, if John Ryan says I did it, it was me. All right? Because if he's not, if he's not backing me up, I definitely fucked up. Yeah. I feel like her defense could have gone a little bit farther with that argument if her sister wasn't like, no, nah, just kidding. She told me she did it. For real, it was her. My bad. Let me get that big back with fries while I'm sitting here. I'm bored. Yeah. So as I said, there's a lot of great coverage of this case in terms of video and audio. One of the sources I used was chillingcrimes.com, which is actually a really cool website because at the top of the screen, it's like new cases to follow, true crime stories. It's just a good way to learn about cases that you didn't know about previously. I mean, Lisa, you said you knew this. I did not know about Laura's case. Um, I'm glad to have learned more about it, but it has the state's opening statement. It has the reading of Grant's guilty verdict, the reading of Amanda's guilty verdict and sentencing. It's really cool because I always like to watch people's facial expressions and body language in an awkward moment. So yeah, we'll share that link in our show notes. To your point, Jules, I'm an anomaly you guys know i founded this podcast because i genuinely like consume true crime pretty much a hundred percent of the time so the fact that i know the case does not does not speak for the rest of the world there's very few cases that i haven't googled because the second i hear a name i google it instantly and look it up and we know my podcast list of shit to cover is like 300 cases long there's never ending bubbles in my head but this one i just recognized we will have to do the one of the girl who got hit in the head when she was smelling a candle it's very similar to this one you know i'm single i don't know if matt's single but i think he's single and Jules is married and i don't know it makes you really nervous especially this day and age to get in relationships because statistically that's the person who's going to kill you and who do you trust these days for the record i i am single because i'm afraid of being killed Oh my gosh, shut your mouth. That is not true. That is exactly why. Jules, you know damn well that if I ended up in a relationship, I would probably be murdered. You both know this. You both know this. After how many months of doing this podcast have I irritated you guys on a number of levels to the point where you thought about it? Didn't go through with it, but tell me that, yeah, try to live it. <laughs> you might have a point, but I don't think that's why you are avoiding relationship. That's a whole other podcast episode. That's a whole other podcast. I was telling my mom a little bit about my best man speech last night for my brother and Meg's wedding. And I said, I'm going to start it out with a list of a couple of things and then be like, no, oh, wait, wrong list. That's for my therapist appointment on Monday. Sorry. <laughs> Just if we haven't said it yet, I think Ivor and I was definitely met, maybe a little harshly in this case. 
just because of the word sack universes. But honestly, like Lisa said, if this bitch's sister was willing to say it was her that chopped up a woman's head and fed her to the alligators, which by the way, alligators, pretty cool beasts, man. I just spent some time with some side note. She definitely was evil in some capacity and I'm willing to go to jail or should have to be in jail. Yeah, a sad case all around. But my goal, and I know we've talked about this in other cases, specifically with Chanel Miller, I want this to be very focused on Laura because Grant and Amanda are idiots. Laura is the victim here and her two little boys because that breaks my heart. It's so sad. It's really sad. And like you said, it's sad that unfortunately in these kind of cases, there is so much focus on the monsters behind them and less on the victims of the crime. And I think it's hard, especially as a, you know, as hosting a true crime show, it's hard because, you know, of course we want to tell the case, but we also want to give that respect to the victims. But 900% of the time, there's not a lot of information on the victim. And that's hard to to grapple with sometimes because you want to give them their time and not just talk about the horrible things that happened to them. But unfortunately, we live in a society that, of course, we're not really helping, but that is really loves to look at the burning car wreck and not, you know, the individuals that were inside. So we definitely want to send our love to Laura's family and make sure that those boys are taken care of. I'm hoping to God they're with her family and not his. Yeah, you have to think they're in a better situation than ending up with Grant, but. What civil court judge was like, yeah, you know what? Just leave him with him or his parents. Right, so that's something, again, that we didn't have information on, but as a child of divorce, the fact that their temporary arrangement was Laura only seeing the children on the weekends, it's very, very surprising to me because typically, custody lends itself to like mother dominance right like the mom has them during the week and the dad has them on the weekends or every other weekend or something along those lines so that was very surprising and irrelevant but just something to think about noteworthy though because you're right a great case honestly an interesting one one i was not familiar with let us know what you guys think. Have you heard of this case? Do you think that the sentencing is fair? Do you think 36 years, respectively? I mean, listen, we don't know if she's going to be paroled in X amount of years either. And then life without parole. Do you think those are fair sentences? Let us know. Write, review, subscribe. Call your friends. Call your family. All right, on that note, everybody have a good day.